Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Broadcasting live from the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. Armstrong and Getty. And now, here's Armstrong and Getty. Live from Studio C, Senor. Deep within the bowels of the Armstrong and Getty Entormation Complex... This morning, under the gentle tutelage of Honorary General Manager, mm, well, I'm not really excited about anything. Joe Biden in the Middle East, uh, breakfast tacos, Hispanic voters, uh, it's politics, it's Friday, something a little lighter, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the new variant of the COVID, uh, I don't know, rudderless ship today. Which is unfortunate. Jack is off. He is ailing. Is it the Chinese bat fever? We don't know. Feels terrible. It could be. He'll be calling in later today, if he's able. Have several stimulating guests. A lot of great entormation for you, including, and I'm planning to do this to kick off hour two of the show. If you can't be here, maybe grab the podcast later. I'm strong in getting on demand. But it's an absolutely great uh, kind of run through of these weird economic times and how they're different and why they're different. 
than other recessions and, and upturns and downturns and stuff in the past. And uh, it, it's from the Wall Street Journal, and they do a really good job of making it not overly technical. So I think you'll enjoy that. Uh, other featurettes uh, include the fact that New York City is for some reason, has for some reason, put out a, a, a public service announcement video, a, a, a beautiful woman, uh, on a variety of sets, it's well-produced. It costs several dollars, clearly, and took a fair amount of time to put together. But they put together a, a, a videotape on what to do in the event of a nuclear attack. And I'm thinking, y'all know something. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, granted, we've been poking at the Russian bear, uh, as has NATO for a while. Is it the Iran thing? As Biden's in the, the Middle East talking to Israel about uh, whether uh, diplomacy can possibly work or not, we'll have more on that. I mean, China's obviously getting aggressive and, and such, but uh, I don't think there's any real prospect of them hurling nukes about in the next uh, you know week to 10 days. So uh, a curious story. We'll get to that. We'll play the uh, PSA for you as well. I mean, because as long as we're talking about it, you might as well know what to do in the event of a nuclear attack. So, okay, we'll get it both ways. Uh, all sorts of good stuff to talk about. Uh, there's uh, politics. Um, uh, the the uh, I called it an absurdity yesterday, the idea that Gavin Newsom was getting some education award in Washington, D.C., and the nation's political press are paying attention to it, obviously, because, you know, his name is being whispered uh, more and more openly as a prospect for the 2024 race since the... Great Grand POTUS and the half-wit VP are just, nobody wants them on either side of the aisle, nor independent. So, anyway, uh, what, what Greasy Gav does is more, uh, you know, is paid attention to more than usual. But, yeah, he went to Washington, D.C. to accept an education award. And, and given the state of education in California, it's not an absurdity, it's an obscenity. And so we'll talk about that, among other things. Ah, gosh, why don't we go ahead and start the show officially according to FCC rules and regulations. Let's swing into action at Mark. It's not going to be easy to bring inflation back to the kind of levels that we've become accustomed to in uh, recent decades. Uh, We have let the genie out of the bottle. Mmm, bottled genie. Oh, yeah, yeah. So we will be talking about the economics uh, going on right now. Again, in an effort to make it a little more understandable. One of the more interesting aspects of it uh, is that we, the people, have a hell of a lot more money saved uh, than usual coming out of the, the pandemic shutdown thing. Um, and so while inflation is melting away the value of household Paychecks, household finances are as strong overall as they've been in decades, thanks to money saved during the pandemic. Indeed, if you did. Um, Also, a lot of debt was paid off over the last decade. There's a strong job market. And, you know, this is semi-related, but corporate profits are really, really high, too, right now. So the way uh, uh, recessions usually unfold is that you have declining economic activity. Picture a downward uh, line going on a graph. And you have rising unemployment claims because companies get into the spiral of laying people off, so people have less money, they're buying fewer products, so corporations lay people off, and it goes into that spiral. Well, because of, A, 
the household finance is being in better shape than usual. So people are continuing to spend money, at least more than you'd expect, in, in a time where uh, consumer confidence is terribly, terribly low. I mean, it's like silly low. I've seen the graphs. But people are spending more than they generally do when their confidence is that confidence is that low. And the company's profits are still strong enough, probably partly because of the people spending, uh, that they don't feel the need to immediately start laying people off, especially because it's been so hard to hire people. And so the shape of these things that we'd kind of gotten used to since World War II, they were remarkably consistent. I mean, they had variations, but they were pretty consistent. Um, this one's completely different. And so, you know, which means... It might end up being a good deal less painful than these uh, recessionary periods uh, can be. Or it might mean that it's going to explode in a way we've never observed before. Nobody will know what to do with it. And we'll end up with with cannibalism and and, and mobs of zombies running through the streets. We don't know. I don't know. Um, but it's interesting. So that and much more uh, to come. We have clips of the week coming up in seconds, not to mention uh, mailbag and, uh, and your freedom-loving quote of the day. So uh, stay tuned. Glad you're here. Good show, good show today. A lot to talk about. Mailbag really strong in particular. If Jack were here, he'd be asking me, how's mailbag? And I'd say, that's eh, fine. So it's fine. It's good. It's actually very good. Uh, and we have the freedom-loving quote of the day. But first, let's take a fond look back at the week that was. It's Cow Clips of the Week. Three, two, one, lift up. All right. So, well, hello. Look at that booty on AOC. That's my favorite big booty Latina. And when you do things like that, you get to high-five Nelly. It's outrageous. You're a freaking moron! We use the term people experiencing moronitude. We're not going to pay attention to, to polls. That's not what we're going to do here. Read the polls, Jack. You need to get to go. I need to be able to get where you need to go. As distinct as the Bogodas of the Bronx. Find the quote. Repeat the line. The Bogodas. I'm it's denying that trans people exist by asking are you? you if you're talking are you? about women are you? having pregnancies. Babylonian Hirschman showed nothing but contempt and disdain uh, of the president. And we were pushing back and we were asking one simple question. Where is the evidence? I stayed in the cabinet room, which is kind of cool. I really like that. All, my, all by myself. Was the meeting tense? Oh, yeah. At times, there were people shouting at each other. Well, what's your point with that? What's my point? Try to avoid driving our listeners' heads into the oven. <laughs> the hell kind of question is that? Like, you don't need us telling you that it's bad. It's like... Huge issue at the moment is what they're calling Russification. This is where Russia, in the areas that it's already controlling, seeks to really lay down roots. The way that video was released today is one of the most chicken things I've ever seen. The mayor said chicken. It was chicken. They need 
to remind our viewers that the very first thing the police and the politicians did after this horrifying massacre was praise themselves. While fire crews are doing everything they can to protect these sequoias, you can hear those helicopters overhead. Trump's going to run, right? I would I'd assume. be shocked if he doesn't. Is he going to get the nomination? The big problem for the Republicans is, is going to be whether anybody runs against him because he's a giant wrecking ball. Do you expect President Biden to run for re-election? He intends to run. Bend over and put a strap in your mouth. Oh, wow! That was quite something. Wow, wow. Ending with the dog rock. It was a guy whose neighbor's dog barked all day long, so he recorded it, set it to heavy metal music, and blasted it over the back fence back at them. Not sure if it did any good, but it probably felt good to do. Here's your freedom-loving quote of the day. Once again from Hunter S. Thompson. I believe this quote came from the early 70s when he was running for sheriff of Aspen, Colorado on the freak power ticket. Google it. Uh, I think I'm one of the most patriotic people that I've ever encountered in America. I consider myself a bedrock patriot. I participate very actively in local politics because my voice might be worthwhile. I participate in a meaningful way, not by donations. I work at it. Interesting thought. The freak power candidate. Mailbag. Hey! Right, hello, gents. Had to share a quick thank you for the dulcet tones of A and G. We just moved two and a half hours away from our old home with two COVID-era dogs adopted during the pandemic and more antisocial than the Unabomber, and two very pissed-off cats. Anticipating a loud and annoying drive, and put on some decent music, only to have my one dog Harvey go into a complete meltdown. Wow, the dog went crazy because she turned on music. Uh, switched over to the AG podcast, and all the animals drifted off into a peaceful slumber. Thanks to the sweet and sultry voices of Jack and Joe. Wow! Much thanks for being not only the voices of reason, but being the safety blanket my animals need in a stressful situation. Wow. Uh, much love from Colorado, Allie. Thank you, Allie. We have uh, charms to soothe the, the savage beast, apparently. Speaking of people uh, moving about the country, Dave writes, uh, Guys, my daughter, born and raised in California, recently moved to Tennessee. She was sick of driving past a giant junkie camp on the way to work every day. She, her husband, and their teenage daughter, daughter all love it there and have said, People are normal here. Yeah, I tell you what, if you are living in one of the ultra-blue capitals of America... And you got the bums and the junkies and the cops who aren't policing and the city fathers and mothers who aren't backing the cops. And so you got the property crime and the filth and the rest of it. And it's worth traveling a little bit. I mean, I could name a whole lot of places I've been in the last year and a half, two years, because I really didn't shut down my travel during the vid. I I believe that airplanes are, have the best filtered air in the world. So anyway... Um, been all over the place. They don't have junkie camps in most places. Yeah. And, and and the cost of living is is quite reasonable there. So you'd think if you wanted to be a junkie, you'd go there. But uh, no. Anyway, more on that to come. 
Uh, let's see. Sideshow Bob writes, In these spicy days of doom and gloom, I, th- I thought I'd share something positive. Ventured across the river into Portland on Saturday. Treat the white to bref- breakfast and spend some of my money. Saturday market. We've been avoiding Portland like the Wuhan plague. Figured it was time for an adventure. Uh, happy to report we didn't have to step over a single junkie or needle while walking the streets. And Johnny Depp himself would have been pleased as punch that there wasn't a pile of feces inside. Fecal matter. That's right, Johnny. Now maybe they can start working on the shootings. Uh, that's interesting. Uh, I haven't been to downtown Portland myself for uh, many months, but uh, glad to hear that. I know San Francisco, though it is a failed city, and according to one tech guy who just moved his company to Austin, the worst-run city in America, um, in certain sectors, like around uh, some of the big shopping areas that were getting looted, you remember that? Union Square, for instance? Uh, the uh, cop visibility has skyrocketed, and the crime has at least been pushed back a little bit. Uh, so who knows? Maybe it's a sign of moving in the right direction. Maybe it's just a desperate, desperate plea to keep one small sector of the city uh, habitable for tourists. Uh, here's a nice comment from Eric, listening via podcast in Romania. Wow, cool. Uh, on yesterday's show, you had a clip of Marco Rubio describing who the Democratic Party is representing. Oh, we've got some great stuff on that, too. Some really interesting demographic information coming up. But anyway, he ended with, and they're rich. To add emphasis, he should have ended with, and they're rich enough to be protected from the consequences of their unworkable policies that result from ideology. There's a lot of truth to that. Well said, Eric, in Romania. If you are among, among the elite, often the urban decay, the crime, the filth, the crappy public schools, they don't affect you at all. In fact, Gavi Newsom, we were just talking about, who went to Washington, D.C. to accept a phony, just uh, just a horrifically ironic education award, his kids are in a super expensive private school. What does that tell you? What the hell is going on? Let's see. Uh, On to the topic. Of, oh, Taco Gate. It's what everybody's talking about. Taco Gate. Jill Biden. As distinct as the Bogodas of the Bronx, as beautiful as the blossoms of Miami, and as unique as the breakfast tacos here in San Antonio. Oh, terribly offensive. Uh, Paolo writes, you've noticed the First Lady's difficulties with her recent speech. I don't think you mentioned the name of the event. It was the Latinx Inclusion Lunch. I don't I don't know how to pronounce that. There's an X in the middle of inclusion. Latinx Inclusion Lunch. How is it they still so prominently feature a term that people, that the people it refers to don't like? Yeah, no, no Hispanic people use that term. Uh, is the ideological bias so strong that they've forgotten that it's polite to call people by the name of their choosing, not your choosing? Well, yeah, that's a good way to put it. And Jashan writes, uh, hey, guys, I'm on the topic of Jill, Hispanics and breakfast tacos. I'm part Hispanic, so I am partly offended <laughs> at what Jill said about my people and breakfast tacos. I'm not offended about the comparison. No, I am offended that she used the words breakfast tacos. What the hell is a breakfast taco? We eat breakfast burritos. No one on this planet eats breakfast tacos. WTF, what is wrong with these morons? Get our food right. Are breakfast tacos a thing in San Antonio? I don't know, if you don't fold a burrito all the way over, is that a taco? Is it even possible to conceive of a more stupid discussion than this? Ah, there's a question we can answer. No, it's not. 
Uh, got some more mailbag to come up as needed. Some of the demographic changes of who's uh, swinging which way politically is incredibly significant and moving really, really rapidly. If you have to go away, you can't stay tuned. Grab the podcast later. It's called Armstrong and Getty On Demand, wherever podcasts are distributed. Armstrong and Getty. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Mini Driver. And this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. The Armstrong and Getty Show. My understanding that part of the the wager in 2020 was that he was only going to run once, and then he was going to give up power to, I guess, Kamala or whoever, and that doesn't seem to be the case anymore, and it's not a winning strategy, and it looks bad, and it is bad. (laughs) And someone else needs to run. I'll take anyone else, really. (laughs) A young voter there expressing his dissatisfaction with the state of the Democratic Party and its leadership. We'll have more on that. Some really interesting demographic trends uh, on the politics front. But speaking of politics, it's always a pleasure to welcome Sarah Westwood, investigative reporter for The Washington Examiner, to the show. Sarah, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. 
Uh, it's, it's our pleasure. Thanks. I've read a couple of pieces that you've written uh, lately, and one in particular really, it, uh, we around here think it's one of the great under-discussed stories in America, and that is uh, people's trust in the voting system, people's belief in the fidelity of the ballot. And you've written a piece uh, recently about various states moving in, in, in different directions in terms of who votes how. Can you give us kind of a, an overview of what's happening? Sure. You know, I, I think that this was a, a much bigger deal at the federal level last year and early this year in January. You know, President Biden gave a big speech about voting rights. Kamala Harris was focusing intently on this. And it's lost a lot of steam at the national level. There was not enough traction to get any sort of meaningful voting reforms through Congress. So now you're seeing these fights play out state by state. And New York and California in particular have taken elements of what was then the the H.R. 1 for the People Act, the John Lewis Voting Rights Act, some legislation that had a lot of very um, significant structural changes to voting laws and tried to implement them on the state level. And so you could see a lot of changes in this midterm election come November. A lot of states have tried and some have even succeeded in making permanent the type of temporary solutions that were put in place to accommodate public health concerns during the pandemic, like sending absentee ballots to every voter, which is something that is going to be now a permanent feature of California voting. Right. I saw in your article that uh, the Wisconsin Supreme Court went in the other direction. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, this was a significant blow to the left-wing agenda when it comes to voting, but the Wisconsin Supreme Court looked at the way the state's law is currently written and said that the law, as, as it stands, does not allow for unattended ballot boxes, which means that if precincts want to have ballot drop boxes where someone can fill out their absentee ballot at home, maybe they don't want to drop it in the mail for whatever reason, they feel more comfortable leaving it at a box, they have to have a, a physical person there monitoring the drop box if they want to have this option for voters. And that's a really expensive, logistically challenging way to, to do drop boxes. That's why you typically see them being unmanned because that, that sort of manpower, full-time manpower, uh, is hard to come by in, in elections. You also have in Wisconsin um, a ban now from the state Supreme Court on what critics call ballot harvesting, which is basically where any third party, sometimes political operatives, can collect absentee ballots, ostensibly to help people who can't necessarily get to the polls uh, and drop them off in bulk at you know county clerk's offices or at these drop boxes. That also is not compatible with Wisconsin law as it stands. Now, voting rights advocates will say, you know, this, this hurts elderly people or disabled people who might not be able to get out of the house to submit their absentee ballot. But that's why the vote by mail system exists in the first place. It existed for people like, you know, the disabled and the elderly who can't necessarily get to the polls. And so that option, voting by mail, is still available to people now that ballot harvesting is is banned in Wisconsin. Right. I remember it was a couple of election cycles ago that a Republican was booted out of Congress and the uh, election had to be reheld in North Carolina because the, uh, the various operatives engaged in ballot harvesting, which is illegal in roughly half the states, I think, or it's like 22 to 23 or something like that. I don't, do you happen to know that number offhand? I don't, but that sounds I about think, right. It's 50-50 or, or you know, give or take a couple states. 
Right, right. And uh, this is clearly editorializing, and you can join in or not, depending on your, your wishes. But um, what what we've been saying around here is that people ought to be able to vote, certainly, and, and mail-in uh, voting for old folks or disabled or whatever. That's uh, Nobody is against that. But the idea of one guy showing up with 15 ballots is... It's damaging to the credibility of the electoral process, even if there are reasonable safeguards in place to make sure every one of those votes is is legit. And and honestly, I don't find the safeguards uh, strong enough. But just that very idea of a guy with a stack of ballots, it bothers people. It does. And I think, you know, a lot of these, the liberalization of the vote by mail rules in states like Pennsylvania and New York and California, those were done under the pretext of the pandemic. And they were all billed as temporary measures. And now any effort to go back to what the pre-pandemic standard was is being decried as voter suppression. And so, you know, this was sort of a bait and switch that a lot of these Democrats did when it comes to the voting laws. In Texas, for example, a lot of the changes that Texas made in their voting reforms that they passed last year was just stripping away some of those pandemic policies, like 24-hour voting or like drive-through voting, which occurred in some precincts in urban areas. That was attacked by Democrats as, you know, taking away people's right to vote, even though at the time, Democrats insisted that those measures were never meant to be temporary. So there is a lot of sort of rhetorical deception uh, around this voting issue that's no longer, you know, in the national spotlight, because, again, this is playing out in the states. But, you know, those fights are still happening. Sarah Westwood, investigative reporter for The Washington Examiner on the line. In the uh, couple of minutes we have left, you did another piece on if House Republicans indeed take the, I'm sorry, if, if Republicans take the House, which is expected, that they are going to launch their own bunch of investigations into the Biden administration. I'm not sure how much I love this government by investigation that, that seems to be popular these days. Uh, but w- what will they be investigating and who's going to do it? Yeah, so we are seeing House Republicans start to lay the groundwork for what those investigations are going to look like and what committees are going to be the venue for those probes. Even though they're not in the majority, they don't have subpoena power or necessarily the power to set the agenda and call witnesses. They can send letters and requests and inquiries, and so we're starting to see that. Uh, For example... The House Oversight Committee, uh, Congressman James Comer is the ranking member, largely expected to be the chairman if Republicans take the House in November. He's already started sending requests to the Treasury Department for what's known as suspicious activity reports or reports that are automatically generated uh, when business transactions internationally potentially raise red flags. All the suspicious activity reports related to Hunter Biden. So he's sort of starting to lay the groundwork there for what will probably be a pretty robust investigation of Hunter Biden's business dealings. The House Administration Committee, which, you know, oversees the sort of administrative stuff associated with Congress, is already sort of gearing up to investigate why Capitol Police didn't have more security on January 6th. Why were they caught so flat footed? And you have Republicans sending requests to the January 6th committee, asking them to preserve all their emails and documents. Because Republicans are gearing up to do a pretty aggressive investigation of the investigators of January 6th to see, you know, was any witness coerced uh, or threatened with financial ruin, you know, if they didn't 
testify, where people's rights trampled on by this aggressive, you know, made-for-TV investigation. So Republicans really positioning themselves to do some some aggressive investigating if they do win in November. Well, and I understand the House Judiciary Committee might be looking at uh, Anthony Fauci? That's right. Uh, Congressman Jim Jordan really interested in Anthony Fauci, sort of the face of this unpopular COVID response. But Republicans are interested in how and why he shifted so dramatically his position on the lab leak theory, the theory that COVID-19 escaped from a, a virology lab in Wuhan, and that's how it started spreading in China, which is a pretty now publicly accepted likely possibility for how the pandemic began. But Fauci has not not really explained why he went from totally dismissing this theory to reluctantly embracing it. And there are a lot of questions about, you know, NIH's funding of, of grants that contributed to research at that virology lab in Wuhan. And so those are the sorts of things the Republicans are going to be looking into. And, you know, that could be pretty uncomfortable for, for Dr. Fauci. Sarah Westwood of the Washington Examiner. Follow her on Twitter. Read her uh, at the WashingtonExaminer.com. Sarah, hey, thanks very much for the time. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Our pleasure. So uh, speaking of politics, uh, those demographic trends I mentioned, uh, who's uh, going into what party, who's going out? There's some new stats out that are striking. It's amazing how quickly this is unfolding. That's coming up next. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. 
It, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the juicy. podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Democrats, we over the years have gotten more comfortable with representing and presenting the beliefs of the elites than everyday Americans. I grew up in a Democratic Party when my dad was in Congress, uncles and aunts were in politics in Memphis, where everyday people believed in us, believed in our party and believed in the things we wanted to do for them. If we don't realize that the progressive and AOC who is identified with them, that that position is not the position shared by most of our party members, and for that matter, most of the country, we're going to lose. And in fact, we probably should lose. That's former Congressman Harold Ford on special report with Brett Baer last night. Uh, And he's absolutely right. And what's extraordinary to me, well, we have two political stories for you, one important, one kind of dopey. But um, this is the important one. What's extraordinary to me is how open a discussion this is. I mean, everybody knows it. Conservative Republicans are talking about this phenomenon. Uh, moderate Democrats certainly are. I guess the left of the left is is pleased and sees no reason to talk about it. They're just doing what they're tra- trying to do. They're trying to move the party to the left. But uh, the... the uh, the effects that this is causing are amazing, and they're happening happening amazingly quickly. Uh, I have a great piece from Josh Kraushar of uh, Axios about the recent New York Times poll, but we'll let him speak for himself first in uh, clip 61, Michael. One of the more notable nuggets from that item from, from a New York Times poll this week showed that uh, Hispanic voters, which used to overwhelmingly support Democratic candidates as recently uh, as 2018, the polling shows Hispanic Republicans and Democrats now tied among that that critical voting block. And uh, just in 2018, uh, Democrats held almost a 50-point advantage with Hispanics. So there is this uh, concern among a lot of Democratic officials that they're only speaking to the elites. They're only speaking to sort of this upscale class, and they're not listening to working-class voters of all backgrounds, of all races, and it's becoming a big political problem. I know at least some of you are saying, wait a minute, did he say a 50-point edge? Yeah, buckle your seatbelts. So uh, to his written article, um, the shifts in the demographics of the two-party supporters taking place before our eyes, and as I said, openly discussed all over the place, are arguably the biggest political story of our time. The big picture is Republicans are becoming more working class and a little more multiracial, bit by bit. Democrats are becoming more elite and a little more white. But why it matters is that Democrats' uh, hope for retaining their power rests on non-white voters, uh, remaining a reliable part of the party's coalition, and that collapses if Republicans even make incremental gains. And, you know, I've been saying for years and years, the way the Democratic Party panders rhetorically to black America delivers nothing but misery and dependence. I just, I've been waiting and waiting and waiting for, you know... Black America, uh, black voters, you know, of good intelligence and conscience to say, hey, we're getting jobbed over here. And and by the way, it's kind of insulting that you assume everybody of a certain skin hue would vote the same. Why the hell why would we? We're individuals. That might be happening. 
But here's what the data show. Uh, Democrats are statistically tied with the Republicans among Hispanics on the generic congressional ballot. So what you say? Well, during the 2018 midterms, Dems held a 47-point edge. 47! And now it's a tie. NBC News poll in April found Democrats held a 38-point lead among women with college degrees. That's up 10 points from 2010. Democrats lost ground with nearly every other demographic group tested in the survey. And again, that's an NBC News poll. Everybody left except college-educated women, primarily white women. And that surged. Now, I happen to be very fond of quite a few college-educated white women. In fact, I'm married to one, and I love her dearly. Uh, But you can't have an elite white female party that wins. Moving along. Nearly every House pickup in the 2020 election came from a woman or non-white challenger. The GOP's ability to win back a House majority this year rests on the success of candidates breaking the party's typical mold. Uh, So Democratic strategists know this, and they're going crazy over it. Uh, They're fighting a war with the progressive activists within their party. You know that. Um, The progressive activists led to push to cut police budgets, for instance. Communities of color have borne the brunt of higher crime. Everybody has, but particularly, yeah, the poor communities. Uh, Interesting story about Seattle desperately trying under their new sane mayor to hire hundreds of more cops and offering tens of thousands of dollars in bonuses to get it done. So trying to undo that damage. Uh, But getting back to the... uh, the uh, Democratic Party's vulnerability um, among working-class voters of all colors. Hispanics living on the U.S.-Mexico border are more likely to favor tougher border security measures that Republicans have championed. The idea that you're a racist if you want to enforce border security, the, the one group that's not buying that is border district Hispanic people. They laugh at that idea. And yet, how many times have all of us been branded with that, that accusation for years and years? Uh, They point out the recall of liberal school board members in a district attorney in San Francisco was fueled by disillusioned Asian-American Democrats. My apologies to the good uh, Asian people, Asian-American people of America. Um, We haven't uh, discussed you yet, but they're moving in. I almost said droves. That's not quite accurate, but it is a it's somewhere between a trickle and a drove but pretty steadily toward the Republican Party. And you add the reality of growing inflation and the worries of recession, and you see why Democrats are losing ground with the core part of their coalition. Wealthier Americans, crush our rights and Axios, aren't feeling the day-to-day hardships hitting the working class. There was a uh, Times, uh, New York Times-Siena poll found affluent voters care about gun control and abortion rights. Working class voters? It's the economy. Inflation, jobs... Bills that and they broke it up into several of those subtopics for some reason, but it's all about the economy. So you have one party that is increasingly elite white people and heavily women who care about gun control and abortion and are driving the party in that direction. And and everybody else is saying, "What the hell are you talking about?" Uh, so the bottom line is the GOP is trading soccer moms for Walmart dads. I think that's a pretty good line. Speaking of the left of the left of the Democratic Party, 
Uh, did you follow the, uh, I should have had the tape ready. There's this doofus who, and it's rude and it's uncool, but he was trolling AOC as she walked up the Capitol steps saying, she's hot, she's good looking, she's my uh, big booty Latina. She wants to kill babies, but boy, she's attractive. She's hot, look at that booty. Which is just, you know, no man should ever, that's just uncool, okay? But uh, listener Gary pointed out, um, guys, please tell us where the congresswoman is having dinner. Alas, a Democratic U.S. representative justifies uncivil behavior toward political figures, especially okay if it's a male Supreme Court justice who has denied, quote-unquote, a woman's right to abortion having dinner with his family. And indeed, he uh, had uh, sends us the headline of the story, AOC mocks Kavanaugh restaurant ousting by pro-choice protesters. She thought it was wonderful and funny that Judge Kavanaugh and his family were hounded out of a steakhouse. But then, then... AOC, here's a headline for you from Yahoo News, the liberal Yahoo News. AOC calls out Capitol Police after trolls call her a big booty Latina on the Hill steps. Oh, so that's wildly unacceptable. It's harassment. It's interfering with her trying to go about her life. But she thought it was funny when they were hounding Kavanaugh. That's so funny, isn't it? It's almost like you don't have any principles at all. You're just trying to score points. More to come. If you can't stick around, grab the podcast Armstrong and Getty on demand. Armstrong. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 